0: Alright, let's rock another episode of Keo Conversations. Welcome, my name is Mark Champagne and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I have Katie on the show and as a busy litigator, it really gives her a unique perspective on how to incorporate mindfulness and presence into demanding life. She also created and leads The Circle, which is a community of women supporting and celebrating one another to step into their highest potential. She's also an advocate for women's empowerment and feminine leadership. Before we jump into the conversation, just a couple things. If you're enjoying these chats, please do give us a little love wherever you're listening. Those reviews do go a long way. And lastly, this podcast is brought to you by Keo, which is our daily reflection app all of these incredible guests end up in-app to help you with your daily reflection. All you have to do is search KYO in the Apple App Store and it will show up. So thanks so much. Have an incredible day and enjoy this conversation. Who are you? Mm,
1: Well, my name is Katie (laughs) Fent. Sure. The first answer that was going to come in was, who am I? I am.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But what defines you? Like, what? And and, and I know this is a big question to start with. I I ask this so that people don't just say, I do this. Right. So who, yeah, what defines you?
1: What defines me is being a beacon of love and light and positivity in the world. And... My name's Katie and everything that I do really comes from that place of just spreading and being and expressing more love in the planet.
0: Love it. I mean, you can't, you can't really get any better than that. Mm-hmm. So what I, I read something, um, this could be on your website uh, or maybe it's your Instagram, but you said, you know, I'm, love, I'm in love with my life. And I know that, you know, that doesn't come off as, I didn't read that as like a cocky statement. But I I want you to dissect that a little bit. Just, you know, like, what does that mean for you?
1: You know, I think that when I say I'm in love with my life, I mean that I'm in love with life itself. I think that sometimes we think that there's kind of this end goal of I'll love my life when this happens, or I'll love my life when I look this certain way, or I'll love my life when I'm living my purpose or whatever. But to me, loving your life is just being present to witness the love that's around us every day, all the time in the most kind of innocuous moments. And so for me, I feel like I love my life so much because I notice the love that's around me and the magic that's around me every single day. And it just lights me up so
0: much. Yeah. So how did, like, where did that come from?
1: You know, I think that it was unraveling everything that was stopping me from seeing all the love that was around me every day. And so that was a process for me of getting out of my head back into my heart and starting to become more present to witness the actual little baby sort of miracles and love around me every day. Sure.
0: But was there was there like was there a trigger or were there like some I'm assuming something must have happened because you're very clear on that and it, it comes through strongly on any mm. any of your work or any of your social mm. channels like how did that spark right like what mm. was there was there an event or are there were there just practices that were leading up to a point where things were coming a little bit more obvious or like so the
1: catalyst for my awakening was really twofold so the first was that when I um When I was 25, I had a quarter life crisis, essentially. I had worked so hard to achieve this amazing life that's objectively super successful and really awesome. So I was working downtown as a litigator and an amazing job. I had a beautiful place to live. I had an amazing relationship. I had everything that I had ever wanted to check all the boxes on my list and I had been working toward this for so long. And finally, when I got there, it didn't feel that good and I didn't know why because objectively everything in my life was amazing. And it was what I had always wanted. And so I didn't understand why I didn't feel so good. And so that kind of started me on a journey to actually have to do the work to start to really unpack, okay, well, what do I actually want this or not? Do I actually like this or not? And in sort of deconstructing my life, I started to call the things that you know, maybe I actually didn't love that much. And in getting rid of basically some of the things that I think that I was just sort of conditioned to believe that I wanted or believe that I liked, um, I started to focus on the things that I did really love and like and continue to follow that. But that process is no joke. And so in doing that, to like, to look at your life, especially when your life is objectively awesome and be like, wait a second, I actually don't feel good and admit that. And then be like, I'm going to unpack all of this to figure out why my objectively great life doesn't actually feel that good. It's no joke. And so in doing that, I started meditating. That was my first practice because meditation was what allowed me kind of that space to first connect with myself and sort of start to ask myself some of those bigger questions. Okay.
0: Thank you. I knew there was a, there was something behind that because, the, and the reason I probed a little bit was so many people are going through that, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, so you get to that point and realize that it's probably more of the journey than that that final outcome that is kind of the gift, right? Mm-hmm. But then, like, where do you go from there? Right? Is is, is what people have a hard time with. So, mm-hmm. and even with us, like with the work that we're doing with with questions, that's one of the bi- the hardest things that like are you actually ready to answer a question like, am I happy? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question if it's no, mm-hmm. right? Like where do you go from there? So, so yeah. So thanks for sharing how you uh, tackled that one or are working on that. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess I should say. So why don't we back up a little bit? Um, just provide the, the listeners a little bit of context on like your work life and some of the work that you're doing and, and you know, your passions.
1: Okay. So what I do, Um, is essentially just get people back into their hearts, getting them to live the most expressive, expansive version of their lives, which is really just being themselves and having the courage just to be authentic and to actually go after the things that they really want to go after. And actually, you know, I know that it sounds cliche, but really go after their dreams. I think that people at a certain stage are really nervous to actually be who they really are and to go after the things that they really want to go after and believe that they're possible. And so everything that I do from coaching to speaking to running retreats, to leading workshops are ultimately about helping people to come back to themselves and really connect deeply with themselves.
0: Okay. It's, it's interesting though, like, cause I've been going through a lot of reflection on that and it's like, I find it like we're born like that, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think of, of being around really young kids, mm-hmm. everything you just described is basically that, right? Mm-hmm. Like no judgment, excited, happy, just want to explore, learn, and then we keep going, we get older, we, we become, you know, we get our education or whatever, and then we start forming judgments, all of a sudden in the classroom, like, the hands start going down, you're not asking as many questions, and then we get to this point, some sooner than later, it seems like you're definitely a lot mm-hmm. sooner than, a, than, than many, um, where, like, there's something off here, and mm-hmm. it's like you start trying to get back, mm-hmm. right, to that, that initial step, so part of the reason I wanted to chat with you is to help people not go so far down that path and hit some sort of wall, whether it's physically or mentally, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's like the awakening moment. We can intervene a little bit earlier. So they can have, have the benefits of all these different practices and, and mindsets, right? Um, so you talked about retreats, like what like, who's going to these? Um, what do they look like? Like, what do you get out of this? Yeah, let's, let's chat about it.
1: Retreats are amazing. What's cool about them is that there hasn't been kind of a key type of person that showed up on my last retreat. The youngest person that we had was this tech app developer from New York and the oldest, he's, you know, 22 and then the oldest person that we had was this woman who used to own a Pilates studio in downtown Toronto who used to be a lawyer who was coming down to the retreat by herself. I think that anyone who's coming on a retreat is ultimately just thinking, okay, I need to disconnect, I need to spend some time just sort of sorting through my life and gaining some clarity and also just taking super good care of themselves for the week. So when we're on a retreat, you know, part of it is really taking care of the body. We do daily movement. We eat really healthy, super clean. We spend time in nature. Um, we get you know people to walk around barefoot. We're getting people kind of back to their roots. Yeah. Um, and then there's also a lot of workshops that are designed to help people have different breakthroughs about what's kind of stopping them from being their most vibrant self.
0: Okay. So what, like, something I've been struggling with um, in this journey, like. Why now? Like, what like what is happening? I mean, we're we're around the same age, and I feel like our generation has got to the point where like our parents were like work sixty hours a week, and that's like the badge of honor, right? Whereas our generation is no, no, no like you need a you need some sort of a balance. You need to find what's you know really pushing you in, inside of your heart, for example. But I feel like it's like it's all coming out right in the last yeah. couple of years. Like, what's been holding that up? It's not like this is new. Like, these practices and a lot of the philosophy questions, journaling, meditation, this has all been around for thousands of years, right? So, from your from your opinion, like, what's, what's sparking all of this?
1: I mean, I think aside from a large global awakening that I think was predestined, um, I think that honestly it's just that people have become... So disconnected. I think that it's just that the technological advances have just gotten to the point that people are feeling so disconnected because they're so all consumed with technology that there's always a pendulum effect. In the same way that I also think that in our society we have so much superficiality and so much focus on this facade of who we are, that again, it's always a pendulum effect. Like now it's just swinging the other way and people are saying, wait a second, I've been faking it for so long enough. Or wait a second! I've been so consumed with technology. Holy shit! Like, can I just connect with myself? What's real here?
0: Sure, interesting. So, how do you how do you balance it personally? Because I mean, you up you obviously have a social presence, and I mean, there's there's a business side of things where you know obviously you want to reach people and help and whatnot. But then there's what you just said as well, right? Where we're so wrapped up in all of this, and I, like I include myself in this, right? So, how do you personally balance? Like everything you just said, with but also the fact that you have to run a business, right? With 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 social and with networking and and putting on some sort of I don't want to say facade because I mean that might not be the right the right word. Um, yeah,
1: I think that it's really important to have boundaries with technology, and I certainly do. So I have basically two times of the day that I'll limit that I'll go on social media. One of those times is to post and the other time is to respond to comments. If not, then I get sucked down the rabbit hole as I think so many of us do. Same thing even with my phone. I often put my phone on airplane for extended periods of time just because if not, it's so kind of habitual for us to just go to our phones and it depletes so much energy. So I think for me, it's just having hard boundaries on when I'm on technology and when I'm not and also being really intentional with it. I really... And I've, I've kind of vacillated with this, but I'm really trying even in my business to share when my intuition or my heart really wants me to share. And I'm sharing from the heart, not as opposed to, Oh, okay. You know, all these experts say I should share at this time and I should share this message and just making sure that I'm staying in alignment with the messages that I really want to share and not, not creating noise basically for the sake of creating
0: noise. Sure. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I do want to touch a little bit in your your education and background in in law, right? And you touched on a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, how has that career and that education actually helped your current work?
1: Oh, so much. Number one, it made me um, so confident in who I am. I mean, law is adversarial. And so learning to not take things personally, learning how to just articulate your own opinions about things, it's been super helpful in, in that sense. It's also been helpful in that it's, you know, put me in this world of professionals and high achievers and high performers. And I think that those are people that when it comes to conversations like this often aren't served. And so, you know, that experience alone has made me deeply understand what it's like to be someone who is, you know, objectively a real self starter and an overachiever and how do they then kind of navigate finding inner peace and awareness and finding time to do that. And the third thing really is just that ultimately law is you're looking at these rules and tools and facts, and you're just applying each person or each case's scenarios to them in the same way that, you know, when I'm coaching people or we're on retreats, it's the same stuff. I have these tools and I have these general framework that I'm always doing. And then I'm just applying people's same stories to those framework Um, to help them. So in some ways I actually feel like law in my one-on-one coaching work is actually quite similar in in a funny way.
0: Sure. Well, and I'll reverse it. You know what, like how have you, how have you been able to break through the law community or let's, let's, you know, like you said, the top performers or high achievers and, and, and professionals in terms of, you know, speaking a language that resonates with them so that, you know, they can find that, that, like you said, inner peace or, or really be centered um, themselves, right? So they can do their own best work personally and professionally.
1: I think that one of the biggest things is that people love facts and they love data. And people want to know the why. People are very incentivized to do things only when they know how it's going to benefit them. And one of the best things I think that I've done is, is to actually make things very tangible for people. And so I, for example, with meditation, I know every... <laughs> Every study on meditation, because it's one thing if I'm going to say to someone, hey, you should meditate, it might make you feel happier. It's different when I say, hey, this is what it does to your amygdala." That's the part of your brain that feels stressed. This is what it does to your prefrontal cortex. That's the part of your brain, you know, that makes rational decisions. And I think that that's one way that you can really access people is actually we're in this time in society where we actually have a lot of studies that are basically compounding why a lot of these practices like self-reflection, like meditation are actually so beneficial to to our body and our mind
0: thank you because I think that's I mean that's what I see Uh, I'm coming from 10 years in kind of a corporate background and just knowing knowing that that environment although it's changing thankfully which is really nice um, it's it would be tough to bring up a lot of work that that we're talking about or that I'm talking working on with Keo it, it really comes down to the language right that that you're using and i think you nailed it too right like park provide the hard facts mm-hmm. um but again it's, you know communicate that in a way that doesn't shut people down um because i'm always fascinated like you know i always go back to someone like like ray Dalio who's running bridgewater mm-hmm. um, right massive like there's a guy that's been meditating for 25 years mm-hmm. And has all these reflective practices. I mean, he obviously just unleashed his new book on mm-hmm. on, on principles. Um, we're just finding out about this stuff, right, through podcasts and and kind of mainstream media, right? So it's there. It's just we need to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And I think I think people are starting on, on the mainstream, starting to become comfortable with with accepting some of the some of these mindsets and, and actually talking about it, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you don't look like, look, you're not looked at as if you're weird
1: Mm
0: -hmm. or it's changing.
1: I think that it's changing. I, I think that that's kind of the path now is that I think that there are certain individuals like myself or you. Who are now just kind of coming out and saying, listen, I can be this way and I can speak this way, but these are tools that are for me. Whereas I think that there used to be this idea that, oh, if you use these tools, then you have to be a yogi living in the Himalayas or you're going to be, you know, so, so, you know, so hippie, basically. And so there's this idea now that I think there's so many of us saying, no, wait a second, you can be you. That doesn't mean that. Because I used to actually struggle with this. I'm like, oh, if I'm meditating, and if I'm doing these things, does that mean that I have to, you know, change the way that I dress and change the way that I am, basically? And when I was younger and I first dabbled in these practices, I actually stopped doing them because I'm like, well, I started not being myself. I started dressing differently and I was like using all these crystals for no reason and... <laughs> And it was just weird. It didn't feel good for me, and I couldn't. I couldn't see. Okay, if I'm using these practices, what does that look like for me? Until I eventually started to find some mentors and teachers of my own who were embodying. Like these are just tools. They don't change. They don't change who you are in the world. They just change the way that you show up in the world. Yeah.
0: So what did they tell you? Like what? Like let's get a little, a little bit tactical because <clears throat> excuse me. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Um, like how did they shift your mindset or get you through that, uh, that uncomfortable or, or weird stage right where you were struggling with some of those identities
1: I think it was honestly someone who was a really big game changer for me was Gabrielle Bernstein because at the time she was someone she was living in downtown New York she looked like someone who could be one of my girlfriends and she was she just embodied what I wanted to become. And I said, wow, here's a person who's so at peace. She's so powerful. Meditation, spirituality are the cornerstone of her whole business. And for me, just seeing someone who, who was embodying everything that that I wanted to see and I could relate to so much, that was what really changed the game for me. And so it was about, you know, the way that she spoke about these practices and also she just made them so accessible, but it's almost like her just being her gave me permission Mm -hmm. to think that doing these things was okay.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk about some of these mentors in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, In in today's world, what I'm always so fascinated with, I mean, we're sitting in your your condo and you've got this amazing stack of books here. Um, Then we have all these podcasts, right? Like we have access to such incredible knowledge and and people. And I think podcasts as well, like you don't normally get interviews like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Two three hour long interviews, if you want, and really diving into people's minds uh, so easily, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like for our generation, like that's we can find mentors without you know actually sitting in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously benefits to having both both setups. But like, what's been your kind of vehicle of choice to fuel your mind?
1: It's sort of, it's changed over the years. It kind of depends on where I'm at. Sometimes I'm deep diving into different books and reading. Other years I've gone deep diving into podcasts. YouTube was really big for me too. Okay. Um, so it's just kind of dependent on, on where I was at. It's really, it shifted over the year, honestly. And now I'm, you know, now I'm back to a big book year and I'm reading a lot. Whereas Two years ago I was all about podcasts and so it really just kind of depends.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's shifted. What causes a shift though?
1: I think for me it just it it's wherever I'm feeling called to learn the most. Like I, I was finding that for me podcasts were really helpful when I wanted large swaths of information basically there's so many experts that are on podcasts and so podcasts were super helpful for me in that way when I really wanted a lot of just information overload in some ways okay. books for me are filled with tools like practical tools for me to apply and so when I'm looking for more tools I tend to be reading more and youtube it's more just if there's a person an individual who I, who I love their stories and I love their experience that's when I'm starting to do that so it's really just what I want who I'm following and what I'm looking for right then okay
0: mm-hmm. and wh- when do you fit in your reading
1: I fit in my reading every day okay yeah I normally read before bed or throughout the day I'll take a little break to read
0: okay yeah awesome so that's a tough one mm-hmm. I feel like I mean I, I don't know I mean it seems like consistent I mean I, I know I have five books on the go right now mm-hmm. and uh, there's like this sense of non-completion let's Mm -hmm. say right if you can't get through it which I someone I I read this somewhere um someone just said it's actually okay if you don't finish the book like maybe the book's not for you Mm -hmm. or if you skip certain chapters right but we have like this you've got to start here and end here and like that's the completion but Mm -hmm. anyway that's why I asked you though because I I think everyone knows that reading and and consuming great content is important it's just hard to fit it in Mm -hmm. in our schedules right
1: yeah for me it's also reading is i'm just conscious of okay well what gives me pleasure and what actually is is me inputting information because i'm outputting a lot so that's for me it just that was the shift too it's even it's me thinking for my own balance in life okay i'm doing all this you know outputting i need to make sure that i'm inputting or else my balance will be off and i'll you know have
0: a smack down on my own
1: yeah. yeah. self-distract
0: sure okay so let's talk about your routine a little bit mm-hmm. what's um what's the morning look like
1: so every morning when i wake up i meditate okay. uh for anywhere between five minutes to 35 minutes it really depends on okay. um, what's going on for me then i what read, kind of meditation sorry uh the meditation that i practice is vipassana style meditation okay. Um, and that was, I just started practicing that and then dove into it. So that's really what my practice is. Although I never was taught Vipassana. I was sort of just self-taught. Okay. Then after that, I read out of a course of miracles, which is a spiritual text that I really love. Then I go through my gratitudes of the day. I go through and write out what my core desired feelings are for the day. I write out the three things that I absolutely have to do that day and, I write out how my heart is feeling and then I get ready for the day. Sometimes I pull a goddess card or an Osho has a Zen tarot deck and I pull that and then I get ready for the day and I have a commitment to myself that I do not leave the house until I'm feeling high vibe and good and happy.
0: Okay. So when did, uh, how has that routine shifted? Let's say, and has there been anything in the last six months that you've added in there or, or kicked out?
1: Um, yeah. Sometimes the only thing that will sometimes shift is is whether I do movement before that. So sometimes I do go and do morning workouts I actually find that, that that sometimes throws off my practices it makes my meditations different I actually like meditating right when I wake up because yeah. um, I find it really grounding the thing that I started doing that I hadn't been doing previously are what are the three things that I absolutely must do because I think especially for my business that's really important if not it's I have a tendency to not stay focused okay. and so having what are the three things that I absolutely will do today to move my business forward? has been really helpful
0: and where do you write that down
1: i write it down in a, a journal okay. that has all these all these different things for me to
0: to Amazing. focus in on and do you ever do you ever go back and do some self-reflection on the i mean what, what are we now we're thursday so we're, we're almost approach, approaching the end of the week like is there any practice in your routine where you're looking back at what happened in the week and seeing okay you know What could I have learned there? What was great?
1: For me, I do that at the end of the month. So less about the week itself... I'm really, I always, is at the turn of the month. I'm thinking, okay, how did that month go? What worked? What didn't? That's where I really am doing a, a review, is always at the end of the month.
0: Okay. And what what is, so what does that look like? Like, where are, are you going somewhere? Are you doing that here? Like, what are all the elements to that?
1: So when I'm doing that, I normally will carve out time on a Sunday. Uh, on Sundays, I might go to yoga, and I have longer meditation. And on those days, I just carve out about two hours, and I'm just at the beginning of the month, I've written out, these are my goals. This is what the focus is on for me. This is kind of what my core feelings are. And this is what I want to have happen. And so then at the end of the month, I'm looking, okay, did I actually do those things? Did I get off track? Why did I get off track? Did new things happen that I wasn't expecting? Wow, that's so magical that that happened. And then I'm writing out again, okay, what's my focus for the upcoming month?
0: Okay. How, like the... I guess you can call it almost like visualization into into the into the next month. It's something that I started doing this year that I found really helpful is literally just writing out, similar to what you're saying, like, what what do I want to happen um, this this coming month? But then really getting into the feelings of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I will feel this and this will happen. And it's, I don't know, it's maybe like um, a few paragraphs, mm-hmm. let's say, that are written out. Always oh, amazed when mm-hmm. you go back to that. Isn't it? That's a magical experience. Like, mm-hmm. Holy smokes, like most of this came true now, you don't even text them, have to look at that again right? Mm-hmm. until you get to the end of the month so are you having those experiences as well with your, with your practice?
1: For sure. I think that that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, I think we have to be a, a, an energetic match for all the things that we want. And then we also have to be intentional about how we want to feel because even anything that we want to do is ultimately cause we're after that feeling. And so if you're focusing on the feelings of, okay, yeah, when that happens, wow, I'll feel so vibrant, I'll feel so expansive. And then you're just focusing on just that feeling. It means that you'll attract more things that are going to Support that feeling into your life that your mind can't even conceive of yeah it's
0: amazing yeah it's so cool let's talk about um happiness because i mean i spent some time obviously on your website Mm -hmm. and i got hit a few times with signing up Mm -hmm. for the newsletter Mm -hmm. and you had a great prompt on there right Mm -hmm. like you want i think it was do you want more happy or do you want to feel Mm -hmm. happier i think Mm -hmm. that's what it is so 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 what does happy mean to you like how would you describe that
1: Happiness, I think, means feeling so joyful. I mean, sometimes I call, you're just, you're making love to the universe. You just feel <laughs> so good. And I think that true happiness, though, in, in lasting happiness, comes from just being so connected from with our heart, um, expressing the things that we want to do. I mean, Mark, you said at the beginning, like the feeling that children have of just this this it's like pure happiness it's mm-hmm. just happiness for no reason and that's the type of happiness that i'm really after and that i and i love leading people to is that happiness for no reason basically it's just oh my gosh i feel so good because i'm feel so good
0: yeah mm-hmm. No, I love it. It's uh, <laughs> You sparked a, something that actually happened today. So I have a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And uh, he woke up, first words out of his mouth. I mean, they, uh, he can't say hockey, but he says hee-haw. Mm-hmm. And it's like he wakes up, and that's the first thing. I want to go play hockey. As a dad, I'm a little bit terrified <laughs> financially what that's going to mean because mm-hmm. he's only two. So if he's you know becomes good and all of a sudden we have, we're spending all this money on traveling camps and stuff, that, that's a bit scary. But it's like imagine if we wake up every morning like that right like instead of waking up and grabbing your phone and checking email and oh i have to do this i have to do that and you're just looking forward to this one thing Mm -hmm. i mean like what else do you need in in life when that Mm -hmm. when when you can get to that level right so cool so let's side i mean we've talked a little bit about your routines but I'd, i'd love to know what you like how do you define mindfulness How does it play a role in your day-to-day?
1: So mindfulness to me and the way that I was always taught mindfulness too was about breaking down each of the senses themselves um, and being focused intently on each one. So really focusing completely at one point on what are you seeing? then you know, focusing completely on what am I hearing? And so at any given moment, you can hone in on any one of those things. What am I feeling right now? What am I seeing? And the idea is that eventually you do that so much that you're just in pure presence of just yeah. completely. Cause that's the thing there. If there is no you, you're just the observer. Then when that's completely silenced or when the mind is completely silenced, you're just there being, seeing, feeling, hearing, and just completely immersed in it. Sure. And that's,
0: the most beautiful place to be. Yeah. What's, um, cause you, you've got a lot of practices in your life. Um, for someone starting out, if, if someone wants to achieve that definition, mm-hmm. where would you suggest they start?
1: I always suggest that people start with meditation, because I think that it is, I mean, for me, it was really the most transformative tool. And it was the first tool that I came across. And interestingly, now, I think it's the most accessible tool. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I think that people really start with. And the other thing is there's so many different types of meditation. and. Yeah. And I think that that's what people really need to know, too, is that you might try one. To be honest with you, mindfulness meditation, mindfulness is a practice for me. It's not my meditation. I, you know, I practice a different type of meditation. And so for everyone, they need to just find the type of meditation that works for them. But ultimately, meditation is just about connecting with yourself and, you know, spending five minutes of your day just with yourself. That's such a rarity in our society. Yeah.
0: How do your do your practices change when, you know like, let's say today you have to speak in front of a large group or you have some sort of a big event, right? Where there's, let's say a little bit more pressure, mm-hmm. like how do you, do you, or, or, and if you do, how do you shift your routine or how, how does that routine help?
1: Yeah, I, I double down basically on okay. all of my practices. When I, when I'm speaking to a group, when I'm leading something, when I'm doing anything, I'll meditate for longer. I'll put my air, my phone on airplane mode as much as I can during that day, I'll, I'll because I need to be so connected to, to my truth and who I am so that I'm clear in the messages that I want to get out and I'm not getting in my head at all. And so I'll meditate longer. I'll write longer and I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll have more prayers. I'll just have, I'll, I'll just get really, I need to get grounded in, in, who I am and what I want to share so
0: that it's coming from the heart in a really pure way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's grab your prompts so you you've you've definitely provided a few questions but um what what's a little bit unique about this interview well your three reflective questions will show up uh, on the podcast obviously but also in the app so that people can add those questions to their template and hopefully help stimulate more or new types of reflection in, in their life so on a it could be on a frequent basis or during big life-changing events. What are the three questions that really resonate well that you ask yourself?
1: I ask myself, have I been loving? Hmm. I ask myself, if I were to die tomorrow, will I have lived fully? And I also ask myself, am I being gentle?
0: Inter- what does that mean to you?
1: Gentleness? Yeah. It means being really nurturing to myself and kind to myself and kind to others. And I think that, you know, I have a real tendency and I think a lot of us do to push and to push ourselves to do more why don't you do more why are you expelling more you could have done that differently you know go to this push yourself go to the workout do you know all the things and so gentleness for me I'm constantly checking in with myself okay easy are you being easy with yourself are you being gentle with yourself and with, with others because I think if not I have a real tendency to push and put a lot of pressure on myself
0: that's a great great question thank you for sharing those um I think it was yesterday or recently, but you shared something on, on your Instagram stories about moments that you know potentially make you feel like you want to puke. Yeah. <laughs> or, which uh, I can relate to that. Can you share something with us that um, either something that's coming up or or in a situation where you did have that that feeling in the past, and it's led to you know some awesomeness? Let's say. Totally.
1: I think for me for so long my journey was hidden. I think that, you know, again, we've had now it's a little bit more accessible for people to know you're meditating or that, you know, spirituality is kind of a cornerstone of what I'm trying to get people to connect with, but for a long time it wasn't. And so I had this secret Instagram account that nobody knew about and I was it was and even sharing on that would make me puke and nobody knew about it. It was all strangers. Yeah. But then that led to me Honing my voice to the point that now when I share things online or when I share things publicly, I don't feel as nervous about them anymore because each time I'm pushing my edge of vulnerability, basically, Um, you know, I've had. Yeah, I've had so many of those moments when I was on reality TV like that's try putting yourself out there to an audience uh, where you have no control over over how you're being perceived or your message is being perceived. I think that those moments where you want to puke though is like that's your edge and push through. And if I stand for vulnerability and I stand for radical realness and honesty, then I'm constantly pushing myself to really share the messages that, that I think I want to share, but it often makes me want to puke. And so my advice to people when you're doing that and you're just sharing, whether it's with a person or you're reaching out to someone or you're starting a website, it's just, you feel that kind of puke feeling and then just push through it, but then leave it like walk away from it. Stop it. If I post something and it was really vulnerable, then I don't look at it for multiple hours or let's say you finally, you know, want to quit your job or you're creating a website, like make that decision and then give yourself some space for a few hours just to let that integrate.
0: <laughs> sure, that's great advice. Um, speaking of about vulnerability and even in reality TV, like how did you personally handle, like people are not the nicest in this yeah. world when it comes to, especially reality TV with comments and this and that. Like, how did you manage that?
1: You know, it was this whole new level of of self-acceptance and having to really own who I am and I think that it was it was difficult too but I think that what I've also learned from again other mentors is they say the more that you're standing in the light the more that you're in your truth and the more you're putting yourself out there the more you know you're going to have people that are all in with you but the more that you're also going to have people that are so triggered by you and you just need to be okay with that and you need to not take it personally I think for me the issue was that you know, people would say things and I'd want to defend myself and that's so much energy for me to use up and it's just not worth it. And so instead it was just to, you know, let it go and to say a little prayer for those people and for me to also trust that I was being perceived in a way that whatever that person needs to either be triggered by or to, to totally love on is, is, you know, out of my hands, but I trust that it's for the highest good of everyone.
0: That's a really, really well said. Highest good of everyone. I mean, we could probably apply that to a lot of things mm-hmm. in life, right? Um, last question. What What made you smile this week?
1: What made me smile this week? Oh, I let, I've been leading these community events for women. And what made me smile this week was seeing the women connect with one another. A few of them are going through breakups and a big catalyst to my awakening too was just this breakup that I went through because it sort of, it shifted me evaluating exactly what I wanted in my life. And Now seeing these women show up to my events who were me five years ago and seeing the way that they're connecting and supporting each other and knowing that I helped create the space of what I wanted when I was going through that, it 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 just has made me so happy to see that, not only that I can support them, but also watching them support each other and watching this thing be built that I had this intention of these exact women showing up for and to watch them now showing up for it is so beautiful to me
0: thank you that's making me smile Um, i just want to thank you for your time and sharing sharing a little bit about your story we can probably dive into a few topics here on future podcasts just on 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 that alone but um and just want to acknowledge you right thank you for being taking in the vulnerability and working through your story to to help others right because of of you being dialed in personally um, and constantly involved with that journey you're, you're helping so many other people around the world so thank you thank you